Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Christina Mandlakiani. Uh, did I get that right? Yes, thank you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Christina is one of the co-founders of Mind Valley, an online community and platform with over 10 million students worldwide and more than 200 authors, speakers, and activists sharing insights designed to help each member unleash their full potential for their mind, body, and spirit. Christina has also been recognized as one of the top 10 influential people online making a difference in the world today and has created multiple programs within Mind Valley, including Seven Days to Happiness and Live by Your Own Rules. But today, Christina and I are sharing the mic to chat specifically about her upcoming book release, Becoming Flossom, a vulnerable retrospective on her personal quest to live her most authentic life, flaws and all. Welcome to the show, Christina, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Nikki, for having me. It's a pleasure. And thank you for your very kind introduction. Of course. Well, it's pretty easy, pretty easy <laughs> to give it. You've got quite the life experience. I'm really excited to chat today. So let's dive in. You know, as I mentioned, the title of your book is Becoming Flossom. So I think a good place to start is really what does that mean to you? What is Flossom <laughs> and how does that relate to the context of your book? Well, yeah, you know, the, the title actually came after the book. First, there was a book about uh, finding a path back to you. Uh, I, Of course, it was inspired by own, my own experiences. I think every book is inspired by the author's experience. Living a, a perfect life by the book. Uh, we all good girls and boys and perfectionists and, uh, you know, ambitious people. We want to do the right thing. So we check the right boxes. We take the right, make the right choices, go in the right direction, uh, only to find out sometime in the middle of the life that uh, whatever we've been doing maybe doesn't necessarily feel meaningful or make you happy. And that was my path as well, because I was about 40 years old when I suddenly realized that I'm kind of living my life, but uh, I'm also missing from my life. I'm not living it maybe the way I want it. So I started looking looking for the main character of my own movie. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a really, um, I think that's a familiar sentiment for a lot of people. Yeah. So I started looking for, for that main character. And uh, eventually, as I was walking down that path uh, back to me, the real true me, the one which I had forgotten what it was like, somewhere along this line, this uh, message matured inside me and I had to write a book. I just couldn't hold it back. So that's how the book came about. But I also have to say that my brain is a little uh, odd in that essence. I I look at things very anatomically. So whatever happens in life, I dissect it into pieces and I find causalities and then I create I create lessons and systems and and formulas and all sorts of things so of course it's all in the book I uh, don't imagine that to be uh, a book about me not at all I, I hope it's a companion for every single reader who picks up the book to find their way back to themselves I think that was a good sort of narrative on what to expect with the book so please feel free to continue 
So yeah, the flossum, it's it actually tags to the same idea. I can give a definition of flossum and probably Urban Dictionary also gives that. Actually, I haven't checked. Maybe it doesn't, but I hope it does. But I think that uh, we all define our own version of flossomeness. Uh, flossom is probably a step up from just being authentic uh, because authentic is your relationship with yourself and it's being true to who you really are. Flossom is actually finding strength in those things that maybe uh, you felt ashamed of or maybe you thought were your failings, your flaws, your imperfections. So it is a step up from just being authentic. But just as with authentic and the real you, who am I to tell you what flossom means? What some people might consider a flaw, other people might think it's a blessing. So it's your game, it's your life, and it's your definition. Yeah, I like that. I like that it's, um, you know, has a subjectivity to it that you can apply to your own life based on your experiences and be able to really define for yourself. How does that equate on your journey in terms of finding yourself? As you mentioned, I really love the way you referred to it as a companion, that you hope for it to be a companion to people. As you were going through this process and you were developing the structure of the book, it, did you lead with the fact that you wanted this to be a companion from the beginning? Or how did you ultimately get to that sort of structure as you were navigating the journey of the book? Oh, well, the structure actually came through quite a few editors. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> Yes, because uh, I love I love literature very much, but uh, my passion is more uh, fiction and classical literature rather than uh, the literature in the industry where I've worked for 20 years. So when I sat down to write the book, I was completely just a writer. I call myself every delight philosopher. I know it might it might sound like bad marketing, but I didn't bother about the journey of the reader so much. It was an act of self-expression. Of course, when I went into publishing and we started talking to the editors, they reminded me that ultimately a book becomes a book when it finds a reader. <laughs> Until there is the first reader, it is just a personal diary or a journal. <laughs> so the structure was um, was polished to, to help the reader along and I had to, uh, to add a little more regularity to it. But that was also my personal journey because, you know, it's, in essence, this book is, is about being you you doing you truly, truthfully, not just truly, but truthfully, and standing uh, firm in uh, your own uniqueness and in your own values and in the things that make you you. So, of course, I started writing this book uh, to be self-published because I said it was just an act of self-expression. But then when it was time to publish it, I realized that I want to give it the best possible future. And for me, that whole uh, journey was this interesting balance that I had to find for myself between you being uh, truthfully you and being unique and being uh, firm in your values and actually occasionally sacrificing those parts for for the convention because you know you can't go to extreme one way or the other because if you go completely with the convention and do everything that you are told and put your own soul on the altar of your success because somebody says that this needs to be done to be successful then you obviously you will lose yourself in the process but if you stay obstinately true to yourself without hearing what people tell you then your message will never be heard so for me that journey was a delicate balance between uh, being myself and following the rules of the world. 
I love that. I think that's such a brilliant sentiment. And, you know, it leads well into one of the questions that I had for you, or really more just sort of a discussion point. You take a thought provoking stance that authenticity and honesty are binary, um, meaning they're <laughs> either there or they're not, right? And so this is something that speaks a lot to me as I've been on my own personal journey and really trying to figure out who I am. Is this sort of the perspective you've always had? Or was this a revelation that you had while navigating your own journey, potentially while creating the book? It is a little treacherous. Yes, I start my book actually with saying that authenticity and honesty are, uh, are either fully on or fully off. So they're binary, yes. But with that said, I don't believe in absolutes. So it, it has been a little bit of a treacherous path for me. The thing is that when I talk about honesty uh, in that aspect, I talk about self-honesty. And that's a huge distinction because when it comes to uh, honesty with the world, then we have to be also uh, a little more realistic. Just the norms of society expect us to not always be completely brutally honest. Very simple example, when somebody asks you how you're doing, the conventional norm is to say I'm doing fine or you can say I'm doing bad but you don't you generally not expected to go into long discussions about how you're actually doing in in every detail so there right. is a level of uh, dishonesty which is expected of us by society in so many different contexts so when I say honesty is binary I talk about honesty with yourself and why I say that is uh, because the moment we we start distorting the picture, everything it's like a domino. You know, everything starts uh, starts changing, and it's it's like a domino, and it's a little bit like a slippery slope. Uh, it is so comfortable to sometimes tell yourself a story and and uh, and stick to that story rather than having courage to to just acknowledge that maybe maybe the truth is not as nice as I would like it to be. If you want to discover what it really means to be you, you really have to commit to being fully honest. That is certain. But then yeah. again, I would be lying if I said that we never lie to ourselves. <laughs> That's part of the journey too, though, right? To your point, it's coming away from that sense of conventionality and the way that we're taught to behave and socialize and integrate with other people when we have maybe a differing opinion or a different sense of self than um, maybe is what we're actually holding inside. And I think that we sometimes create this cognitive dissonance to be able to manage our day to day and feel like we're still living a life that is gratifying or fulfilling to us. But at the end of the day, to your point, and this has happened in my own life as well, you sort of do have to step back and ask yourself, you know, am I getting what I want out of life? Am I being treated the way I want to be treated? Am I treating myself the way I want to be treated? You know, what is it that I'm looking for and how do I want to show up in the world? And I think that concept and that distinction of self-honesty is so mission critical for us to be able mm -hmm. to achieve that sense of really intense authenticity that I, I feel a lot of people are craving more and more now, um, which mm -hmm. I'm curious kind of from the perspective of your book, because you mentioned having sort of exercises and different paths that people can kind of go down in terms of being thoughtful on their own journey. Did you essentially take things from practical application of your own journey and decide, you know, this is something that really helped me? I feel like this would be a great fit for the book. Or how did you ultimately get to the place where the, you picked and chose the, the mm -hmm. um, opportunities for people to really engage with the book rather than simply reading it? 
Well, uh, you know, I'm in the industry for a long time, so I've I've done courses and I've worked with people and I've spoken from stage. So uh, a lot of that stuff has been tested on other people. I don't take myself as a model. So uh, I do have a little bit of a... Um, I think it's called geeky personality. I do not know which word is not is is not insulting, but I prefer to consider myself a nerd. In fact, so I when I make a statement, I want to understand if it's a Christina fact or if it's actually a statement which can be generalized. A lot of the times, if I suggest something, I would have gone and researched. And actually, there are so many footnotes. My editor said it's a little too heavy on footnotes, but I but <laughs> keep them all in. Uh, so I, I do research and I usually wouldn't say something unless there's research proving that. And if I say something where research isn't proving that, I would probably say something along the lines that uh, that's my theory or that's what works for me or that's how I feel the things uh, or, or in any other way qualify that it is not a generalized statement. So, uh, you know, I actually do not think that uh, my personal journey should be taken as a model. It has been an inspiration and an opening to go into areas which interest me. And just a very simple example, when we have a cognitive dissonance, we human beings, uh, and we don't like to face the reality the way it is because it's unpleasant, and we are coming back to actually the topic of honesty, the full honesty of yourself, we, what we do is we resort to such thing as called, which is in psychology, is called defense mechanisms. And there are loads of defense mechanisms. There's something like, depending on school or thought, up to 35. So for example, if I would catch myself doing passive aggressive things, which is a typical defense mechanism. And that's actually one example how we lie out to ourselves. <laughs> we, we, mm-hmm. uh, we actually, rather than facing the conflict and saying that, hey, this is something that requires uh, a courageous act of, of actually uh, contradicting another person, we start telling ourselves beautiful stories and then uh, stabbing another person in, in ways which are not yeah. as uh, as aggressive, maybe. <laughs> when I discover that, of course, I get curious, but then I go into that topic and I discover other defense mechanisms, which maybe are not typical to me, but I would have experienced them on the receiving side. So I do write about them in my book because I can share some of my story, but I can share also the stories of my experiences with other people. And I think that's that's what makes it a little bit more, um, more applicable. I know that people's personal life stories are inspiring, but unfortunately, they're not always as helpful as, uh, as a little more, um, more, I want to say, fundamental information about how things actually work. I really think that that's an impressive way of looking at it as well, Christina, particularly because I think in our nature as human beings, we often seek to find examples of people who are doing something a certain way or just in the world that we live in now where it's like, find something online. How are they doing it? How do I replicate that? You know, but there's still this really core component that you you stress about how that applies to your own life and being comfortable with taking things piecemeal and creating something that feels true to you and the way that you live your life. So you can still take these best practices and apply them and learn more and create more knowledge around 
what works and what doesn't for yourself, for your relationships, as opposed to just sort of seeing this as follow my journey. If you have, <laughs> you know, this similar, similar philosophy, then you'll be in good shape because that's realistically, and, and you're making this point quite abundantly. It's not one size fits all. Life is very different. Our experiences are very different, but there is this sense of, I want to be honest with myself. I want to be honest with the people around me. How can I do that in a way that is both respectful of all involved, but also true to who we are um, without feeling like we have to compromise for the sake of what anybody else is sort of dictating to us in a given moment. Not only we are all different, but in personal growth, uh, there is no one size fits all and there are no recipes because different uh, different stages in life will require different approaches. Some people need to be told that, hey, slow down, notice the moment. Other people need to be told, get off the couch and start moving. These are completely contradictory suggestions. So not only that, in different stages in life, we require different advice and also in different in different areas in our life, we might require different advice. Somewhere you need to slow down, other places you need to, to press more gas. So there are no absolutes in life. And that's why I want, I want my reader to uh, look beyond the surface into the essence of things, because it's only through understanding essence that you can understand life. We're so used to easy recipes, the lists to do and not to do, because this is tangible. This is so understandable. That's why we go for success over happiness, because we understand hustle. We understand keeping ourselves busy. We understand following the rule book. What is much harder to understand is the essence of the phenomena, the essence of the things, and making choices based on circumstances. That's I love that. complicated. I think that's so beautifully articulated, Christina, and I think it really speaks to the fact that there is this really core component of who we are as people that we need to, to continue to drive towards and to explore within ourselves and to not be afraid of that. And I think just based on what you've shared of your own experience, but also your philosophy around it, being very forward thinking with the educational aspect of it, learning more, not only about the circumstances around you, but about yourself. So you can actually apply that in a way that feels meaningful and true to you, which makes total sense given what I know about Mind Valley. It really speaks to the fact that people are craving to know themselves more, to feel more attached to who we are, not just in our day-to-day -day lives and the tasks that we complete, as you've pointed out, but, you know, when we go to bed at night, how do we feel about ourselves and who we are and what we're putting out into the world? So I know we're you, cutting... You know I know we are, but you just sparked such an interesting thought. Oh, please. Uh, you know, I, I have the time, so I'm on, I'm on your clock. I, I don't have a lot of time, but I have to share it because I just realized that I think we all have that uh, that uh, memory, cellular memory somewhere about how it feels to just be you and not to try to be something else. Because when we are born, we, we, don't, uh, we don't try to be something else. We allow ourselves to express ourselves the way we are. It's later that we learn to emulate, which is also a natural natural course of things. But I think that's that memory, that memory about how easy it is to not pretend, to not try in the like heaviest meaning of that word, not to, you know, um, fake it till you make it, but just allow yourself to be yourself. We know, we know deep inside that this is the most enjoyable way of existing on this planet Earth. And I think that comes from that childhood memory somewhere on our cellular level that Doing you is just uh, is just the most productive thing you can do. 
I mean, absolutely. I think that's such a great way to round out the conversation too, Christina. I'm really excited for the opportunity to have gotten to speak with you, to be able to share just your knowledge, your perspective with listeners. And I'm really excited to see the book when it comes out. I was curious, are you also doing an audiobook or is it solely um, print format for now? You know, people keep asking me that and I say, keep saying that I hope I do. I'm, I think I'm going to find out. I do really hope I do because I can't uh, wait to read it out. <laughs> it's another connection to, to your own book. If you're a writer, you know what it means. You write, you live uh, through that content while you write it, but you give it another, a second life when you go through it again. So I've read somewhere a long time ago that a good writer enjoys reading their own books. I can't wait for that experience and I hope I enjoy Enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it and I'm sure listeners will as well. I really appreciate your time today, Christina. Before we head out, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I think I will share and I will loosely quote because I don't remember it very well. It's from the movie X-Men. Okay. <laughs> There's this character, Mystique, who walks around in uh, her natural form is actually this outlandish blue creature with red hair. And I don't remember the color of eyes, but something is striking. Uh, but she walks around as a blonde woman. And uh, in that episode, her, well, I will loosely call it friend, Magneto says, you waste half of your energy on trying to look normal. And uh, you have only half of your focus for the things that really matter. So I think this is such such an interesting message. We sometimes don't realize that by trying to be something what we are not, by trying to uh, follow the convention, to be comfortable, to be what people want us to be, we are depriving things that really matter of at least half of our own energy, because rather than wasting time on being something what you are not, you could do things that matter, matter to you. I love it. I think that's a brilliant way to end the conversation here. I appreciate you, Christina. I appreciate the work that you're doing both with Mind Valley and with this book. Thank you so much for the conversation and for all of those listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to pick up a copy of Christina's book, Becoming Flossom, Notes on What It Takes to Live Authentically. And you can also find more content from Christina on her podcast, Honest Conversations, available wherever you listen. And be sure to check out mindvalley.com to learn more about their ever-growing list of programs and how to become a member. Nikki, thank you so much for your kind words and for your encouragement. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session. 
free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production.